currently doing a series called When God When. Any of you felt like that? Maybe it's just me. And if you wish to catch up on any of the messages that we've been having before and that you're most welcome, go to our website. Up the top will be a tab, Church Online. Just let the drop down come and it's uh, watch on demand and you'll be able to pick up any past messages there. So we don't want you to be able to miss out. And And over the past three weeks, we've been covering understanding the time of God for your life, dare to dream again and God's school of experience. And today I want to cover, is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything too hard for God? In Jeremiah 32, verses 26 to 27, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is there anything too hard for me? And the first point this morning, if you're taking notes at all, is God is the almighty God. God is the central point of everything. Everything that is, is in Him. Everything that was, has come from Him. God is holy. And His holiness means He's in a class by Himself. He is different from, He's separate from, He's distinctly unique from any other person in the universe. So when he truthfully says, is there anything that's too hard for me? It can be God because he has no peers. He has no peers at all. He is omnipotent, the almighty and the all-powerful God. He is omnipresent, present everywhere at the same time. It's a bit hard for us to get our head around, isn't it? And he is omnipotent, omniscient. That's a hard one. Knowing all things past, present, and future. And since these theological truths are real, that means our God is able to take care of you. He has the power. Neither you nor your circumstances can put any limit on His power and it working in your life. You know, when a person's understanding of God is limited, then their praise, their thinking, their worship, everything is limited. It's only through our struggles, the things we don't like, that we get a greater understanding of how good our God is. And then our praise and our worship and how we think about God just increases all the more. When Moses spoke to to God as his people were soon to enter the promised land that God had for them, we see in Deuteronomy 3, Verse 24, it says, O sovereign God, you have only begun to show your greatness and the strength of your hand to me, your servant. Is there any God in heaven or on earth who can perform such great and mighty deeds as you do? So what qualifies you to experience the Almighty, God of pa- the Almighty God's power in your life? You won't find the answer in religion It's actually in weakness, in your weakness. You go, what? Like, huh? Most people think that they could just get their life together, just get it right. Then God would show up. But the reality is if you could get your life together, you wouldn't need God. You wouldn't need Him at all. Listen carefully this morning. The reality is that God wants to show up in your life right now as you are, no matter how much you feel you have messed up, 
He wants to help you and make an incredible difference in your life so that you will know it's God, it's not you, it's God. And there's somebody here today that really needs to hear that. God is wanting to say that to you. And it doesn't matter how seemingly small or how overwhelming our problem is, God patiently waits for us to do everything in our own resources and our own, and our own strength until we've exhausted it all. And that's when He steps in. He's created us to be dependent on Him through a loving relationship, not through anything that's forced, in a loving relationship. So we don't have to grapple through life on our own limited resources. He is for you all the way. You, don't, you only hire a plumber to tackle jobs that you can't tackle yourself. And it's the same in our need of Him, the Almighty God. He's the answer to any situation we're going to face. And He wants to make sure that we can't solve the situation by ourselves first. What a shame that we have to get to the end of all our resources and everything we're trying to do before we'll actually call on God for help. But oh, what a joy and an absolute peace it is to honestly acknowledge our, our, sorry, acknowledge our need of Him early in our circumstances so we can allow Him to work in our situation and see a great, great outcome. In Luke 1 verse 37, it says, for, God, for with God nothing is impossible and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfilment. What a great scripture that today. Second thing is, God's way or your way? We can, we can read about God doing all these miraculous things and we can read them in the Bible and go, yeah, yeah, I, t I totally believe He did them. But when it comes to our life, that's where the rubber hits the road. And that's when we work out what do we really believe? What do we really stand and believe in our life? Some people may have had a specific word from God and others may have a prophetic word. Someone's had a word uh, that they feel to share with someone that they feel God has put on their heart to tell someone else. Well, what when that prophetic word spoken of in you isn't being fulfilled? How many of you have been in that situation? And quite often a prophetic word is something that is only part in picture. In 1 Corinthians 13, verses 8 to 10, we said, Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. And where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, that's when what is in past disappears. And some people have had a prophetic word over them. They will be, they'll be involved in a specific area or in, in a ministry. However, time goes on and they just can't see themselves ever getting any closer to that. You need to ask yourself, what has God put in your heart? Not, in, not necessarily what was the word spoken over you. What has God put in your heart? And you need to start developing yourself. Start preparing yourself. Have an encouraging word to say to others. Start connecting with others and help building them up. Start making an impact in the community. 
and learn how to speak confidently in public, whether from a platform or maybe never ever from a platform, maybe just in a small group with some friends or with work colleagues. If you have anything that's worth saying, know how to say it confidently, learn to do these things. You say, I'm lonely. Well, do you go anywhere where you actually meet people? I'm not married. Well, do you go anything where there are people of the, of the opposite sex you can meet? Like you, you've got to do some things to prepare yourself sometimes. And regardless of whether you actually reach that specific area or that specific ministry, the fact that you have been doing what God has wanted you to do, that's enough. That is enough because you're obeying God and you're working alongside with Him. While my husband and I know that both of us have been called to be pastors, I'm so proud of my children that they have careers that are outside of being pastors. They're in very responsible jobs in fields where there's a lot of drama, a lot of high stress and sadly, suicides. And what an opportunity for both of them to just be able to be a living example of God flowing through them to show God's love to show His grace and be generous to others and be someone who stands out for all the right reasons. I'm just so proud of them. Has everyone ever noticed that God doesn't do things the way we planned or we'd hoped or wanted? I don't know. Proverbs 20 verse 24 says, Since the Lord is directing our steps, why try to understand everything that happens along the way? We have to work out, do we want God's plan or ours? And of course we want ours, let's face it, we want our plan. And that's where our problems and our frustrations begin. Early in our marriage, when our children were young and I was still at home, I wasn't working, we were believing for God for a house of our own. And uh, you know, we were on one salary at the end of each pay was $37. And it was lean living. I remember what it was like. And we've been praying and praying. And then my dad had this clause in his life insurance policy. And I still to this day don't understand it. But somehow he could have 20, even though he would still have all his life insurance, he could have $20,000 now, or he could have it after he died. He thought, well, I'm not going to enjoy it much once I'm dead. So thank you, I'll have the 20,000 now. And he knew that we were praying about a house and he just felt that it was God's miraculous provision. And so they had said, well, look, if you would like $10,000, we'll give that to you now and that will help towards a deposit. And just that when we both die, the first 10,000 goes to my sister. And you would think, oh, wow, this is great. But I wasn't, I didn't quite like that idea because that's not the way I wanted God to work, his miracle. I wanted my plan, not his way. And because my parents had gone through the depression and particularly my mum and things were tight, things were so lean for them. She has had this incredible way of making me feel awful when I bought anything that in her mind was too expensive. Like going to a cafe and paying $4.50 for a coffee or cup of tea was too expensive. Honey on banana, too too lavish. Anything with more than two eggs in it, too, too lavish. And so... You know, I felt like every time I'd go to spend anything, she'd be watching me. So it's like, I don't want to be indebted to my parents in any way. So I didn't want God's miracle. I wanted it my way. And so after I prayed quite a lot, I felt like I was actually blocking God's miracle for our life. 
And so I realized I just needed to say, thank you, Lord. And so I did, and we got the money, and God provided a miraculous way for us to be able to own our first home after 15 years of marriage, not a couple, 15 years. But God came through and He always does. And we just kept on serving God faithfully and doing what He called in our hearts. And He came through and He always does. You know, churches say we want to reach more people for God so that they can hear how good He is. We want people to just know how much He loves them and can help them with their situation. And then COVID hits. And initially, everybody's moaning about COVID. But hey, we're reaching now more people than we've ever reached before, not only in Australia, but overseas. What an opportunity we have that we've never had before. And I'm not saying in any way that God brought COVID along, but there's nothing that this world can throw at us that God can't turn to His advantage. If we will work with Him, and not want everything done our way, but God's way. In the Bible, these words say, and they always help me get my perspective back on track. In Isaiah 55, verses eight to nine, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And while we may not always understand what God is doing or why He is taking so long, as I mentioned about a month ago, the big deal in life is not what we get at the end. The big deal is the journey and the relationship with, we can have with Him all the time, regardless of what's going on in our life. His ways are always better, believe you me. And the final point this morning is keep your focus. Sometimes we become so focused on our problems and what we want to do that we lose focus on the God who's actually here, who's actually able to sustain and strengthen you through all your circumstances. He does not have any limitations, especially when it comes to you. We need to keep our focus. We have to be careful that we don't get distracted by other people's opinions or what they think or what they say. And the one thing we definitely don't want to do is decide to help God out with His miracle by settling for second best and decide, I'll just help God with that miracle. He does not need any help from you. Yes, prepare yourself. Yes, develop yourself. But when God's going to do the miracle, He's going to make sure beyond the shadow of a doubt that you knew it was Him it was not something that you did of yourself. Don't rob God of the miracle He has for you by trying to do your, something for yourself in your timing. Go with God's timing. In the book of Genesis, we read about Abraham and Sarah who had no children of their own. These two are no spring chickens. Abraham is 99 years old and Sarah's child conceiving and childbearing days are way past. Abraham had already had one child through his handservant, which his wife had tried to make a miracle happen on her own terms, but they had not had a child by themselves together. So all the, in the natural, it was ridiculous. Everything to do with childbearing was way past, but God had promised them a son. Genesis 18 verse 10 says, Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. 
And since they were all well beyond childbearing age, the whole thing was so ridiculous. Sarah had laughed in a mocking laugh in disbelief at what God had said. But Abraham just got on faithfully serving God and others and believing God would do what he had said. God was faithful to his word and Sarah miraculously conceived and gave birth to a son and they named him Isaac. Keep your focus. Don't allow your attitude to short circuit your blessing. Never underestimate the power of God. Is there anything too hard for God? In the book of John 6, we read about a great multitude had gathered to hear Jesus talking. I mean, now it was late in the afternoon and people are going to need to be fed. So the disciples had said to Jesus, look, all these people are going to need to be fed. You need to send them away so that they can get them food, some food. And Jesus said to them, told the disciples to feed them. Now, there were about 5,000 men and without the women and children. So, hello, Jesus, uh, Uber Eats ain't going to cut it today. Like, whoa, we got a lot of people here. What on earth do you expect us to feed them with? So they went out looking and all they found was a small boy who had five small barley loaves and two fish. And I think you can do the maths. That is not going to feed well over 5,000 people. The whole thing was ridiculous. But God loves to move in the ridiculous. He loves those ridiculous scenarios. So Jesus, so they bought the food before Jesus and he thought, yep, this looks good. And for him, it wasn't, just wasn't a worry at all. And so he prayed and gave thanks. And then he said to them, to ask them to distribute the food. Now they didn't have buckets and buckets now of food that Jesus has prayed and whoop, there's just buckets all around us. Whoa, we're gonna need more people to help. No, they still had what they had. But as they faithfully served and served others, and as they faithfully did that, the miracle each time it was passed to the next person, a miracle kept happening, one person after the other. So there was like not just one miracle, there was thousands of miracles. And when they finished, I would have loved to have been there. When they finished, they had 12 baskets full, buckets and baskets full of leftover pieces of these barley loaves. Is there anything? too hard for our God. In John chapter 2, we read how Jesus was a guest at a wedding in Canaan and all the wine had run out. And Jesus tells the servants to fill the six stone jars full of water and then to draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And so that's exactly what they did. And as the servants kept their focus and continued to serve others, the miracle of water turning into wine took place. Do you see a pattern here? I do. As man continued to keep his focus and continued to serve others, they were part of the miracle that God was doing. All we need to do is keep our focus, continue to serve others and allow God to use us, allow God to use you to be part of the miracle that he is doing. Is there anything too hard for our God? No, there's not. You know, when we leave God at the edges of our life or perhaps out of the picture altogether, instead of him being our full focus, we lose the most important message that there is, that life can only be lived by his power 
and by his grace. You say, well, I'm living quite well, thank you, Linda. On earth right now, I seem to be fine without his grace. You cannot even imagine what earth would be like if God actually removed his grace from earth right now. We would be living in the worst hell we could ever have thought of and probably worse. You are living in a dimension of God's grace you don't even realize. But the saddest part is that you don't realize that God loves you so much, so much and constantly longs to be a part of your life. So you can live life to the full and he can help you to live your life to your full potential, not what you think you can do now on your own resources and strength, to live life like you didn't imagine. He will never force his way into your life. He will never, ever do that. You know, when generations before gave up on God and left him out of the picture, sin became rampant and they had separated themselves from God. And God actually regretted, we'll read it in Genesis, God actually regretted that he had created mankind. But true to his nature and his love for all generations, then and now, he was, the love was so great that he couldn't sit back and just do nothing. And he gave us his only son, Jesus, to pay the price, being crucified to death on a cross for everyone's sins, past, present and future, so that when we ask God for his forgiveness, the price has been paid and he truly, truly does forgive you so we can be in relationship with him when we ask him to. But the good news is he wasn't dead, didn't stay dead forever. And on the third day, God raised Jesus back to life so that we can have a relationship with a living and risen Saviour. He has a great destiny and future for you as you build a relationship with Him.